rescue from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. because we love the Lord and He is here doing His thing and Lord we just give you the high praise we give you honor and glory because you alone are worthy and we bless you today in Jesus name Amen, let's worship the Lord together How beautiful are you Lord it's your word it's your love oh how Glorious are you, Lord? 
the faithfulness of God in our lives. Just consider how he saved you. Consider how he found you. And how he just like cleaned you up. Thank you, Lord, that you have rescued us from the chains, from the grasp of the enemy. And you have released us. Show us the way to go, Father. Show us the way to go, Lord. We worship you in this house. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing this together. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice, he wraps himself in light, he can show the way, and die. Tries to hide, but trembles at his voice. Trembles at he speaks before us. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God?
so great God. Hallelujah, Lord. You're worthy, worthy, Lord. Oh, we bless you, Lord. There Jesus. is none like you, Lord. You're so holy, holy, holy. Great and mighty Faithful are you, Lord. There's holiness oh, in your name. Greatness in your name. Your name is the highest name, Lord Jesus. The greatest authority. You have all authority in heaven and earth and under the earth. Hallelujah. You know what? You can tap into God's greatness. Anything that God does is great. And if you have a need in your life, in your body, in your family, in your finances, just begin to declare how great God is over that. Begin to declare how great God is over that. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, let your greatness touch your people. Let your goodness touch your people. Thank you for being with us, Lord, and we thank you for speaking to us. Shiato kia shania kakea, o nehe kia shana po kia ka, aha ehe kia kuma shehe kio kota ha kia kakohova ehe. Things will come against you. Opponents will oppose you. But when you clothe yourself with the armor of light, you will stand and triumph and be victorious. You will stand your ground. You will defeat your enemy. And you will reap the reward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, I'm standing, Lord. Amen. You may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. What an amazing worship team. Songs that are full of the Word and the Spirit. Glory to God. Well, we're glad that you're here this morning. We're glad that you're watching. If you're watching this live or if you're watching it whenever you watch it, it's good to have you here. Good to be with like precious faith. Amen. 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 And God moves in atmospheres of faith. Hallelujah. So if you came in a little bit weak, you you, you just call yourself strong. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we're going to make our confession because there's power in the blood. So we're going to speak our confession about the blood. Let's make our confession. There There is is power in the blood blood of Jesus. Jesus. His blood contains the life and love of God. 
The blood of Jesus is more precious than silver and gold, for he is the unblemished and spotless Lamb of God. Through his blood we are forgiven, and we have been fully redeemed from sin. The blood of Jesus is a shelter of divine protection all around us, and we are kept safe from our enemy. We have faith in the blood of God's Son because it freed us from the guilt of sin. It makes us acceptable to God and grants us eternal life. Jesus, filled with the fullness of God, has reconciled us to himself and given us peace through the blood of his cross. Through Christ's blood we receive mercy, we are born again, and we have a living hope, and we have obtained an inheritance from God. The blood of Christ through the eternal Holy Spirit has cleansed our consciences from dead works and has enabled us to serve the ever-living God. We can confidently and freely enter God's throne room by the blood of Jesus. We can come before God in truth, sincerity, and confident faith. Jesus granted us access to this holy place when he died on the cross. We overcome the accusations of the devil by the blood of the Lamb and our own personal testimony. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising Word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's Word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Well, before we do announcements, how many of you like our new change? Does anybody know this is a change? A lot better, isn't it? Well, this is phase one. Phase two will be some lighting. Uh, we have some specks of silver in the paint. So when we put lighting on it, it'll just, whoo. So, so when you come in next time and see the lights, you'll know what's going on. But thanks to the team that acted quickly. All of yes. you who painted, could you stand? Everybody involved in the paint routine. Ms. Lisa's back there. Thank you. Four people, two days. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So God bless you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, VCS. We have so much planned for May. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, so starting with today, May 7th. Today is Pastor Nelson and Pastor Nadine's sixth anniversary. <laughs> And we are so excited that they are here. So today, after service, we are celebrating their anniversary. So stay, linger, fellowship, and enjoy the company of one another. Today, we also have book club for the ladies. Today is the last um, time we'll be meeting until the fall. So we take a break over the summertime, but we still spend time together and encourage one another. So you want to come to book club if you are able to. We are learning so much about our identity, and it is super, it's empowering, and it's exciting, right? Because it's all based on the word of God, which never fails. Um, which, speaking of identity, I learned that demons don't have an identity. I was stunned. 
which it makes sense after I thought about it more because they're separated from God. So what kind of identity do you have if you are separated from God? But how much more awesome does that make us as Christians? Like, I don't know. I've never been to, like, certain places where, you know, they ask for your ID. And if you don't have your ID, you can't get in, right? So demons, if they don't have, a, they don't have an identity, they can't get in to you because you have your identity, right? So how awesome is that? I was so excited when I learned that. <laughs> um, also, in May, we have some people graduating. <laughs> we have lots of people. I graduate this week. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> It has felt like a really long time because uh, I had finished all my courses in December. But the actual big ceremony, right, the, what do they call it, conferring, conferment, is that the word? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, conferring, that happens this week. So I'm excited for it to be, like, finalized and finished, you know, like in the books. <laughs> yep. MBA, my master's in business. And it's concentrated in uh, Six Sigma, which is all about efficiency. It makes me so happy. <laughs> Steven is also getting his bachelor's from Penn Foster, also in business. Right, Steven? <laughs> and then we have a lot of Rama graduates this year as well. That'd be Gabe, Sean, Kelly, and Zach, all graduating from Rama in their programs. <laughs> and then we also have Madeline. She's graduating high school from Mannheim Central, right? So... <laughs> We are so excited that, like, here at VCF, we just keep growing by levels and levels, right? Going from glory to glory. Also, just a heads up, May 17th is um, Dr. Fiona and Pastor Doug's 26th wedding anniversary. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so this is just a reminder that you can participate in celebrating with them and that we want to send them on a, the vacation of their dreams to go to the Caribbean with the water and the sand and the wonderful sun, which fits them. <laughs> so if you want to participate in that, you can. We are participating. Partici there we go. <laughs> That's our word. We are planting seeds. And also in May, on May 21st, so two weeks from now, we will have Reverend Stephen Hoffman here as our guest speaker because there's a lot happening in May. So that is everything. I don't have a specific fact, but if you want to know more about facts, you can get my book that's in the bookstore. <laughs> right? I wrote that a couple years ago. I wrote it, like, the week before school started because God told me to, like, get it done before the school year started. And so it's all facts, one for every week of the year, kind of like a devotional where you can learn all about science, nature, all sorts of things. That's everything. Oh, and we have one more, right? Dr. Ben Lim. <laughs> I don't know how I skipped that one. Um, Dr. Ben Lim uh, will be here this week on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Now I think I got all the announcements. <laughs> yeah, so we're hosting that those special meetings this coming week. And uh, it's going to be great if you can come. Love to have you. We saw him when he, this is his third time to Lebanon, so we're going to. We're going to let God do what he wants to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, how many know that uh, Rhema Bible Training College, when I was there, it was Training Center, but now it's Training College. And uh, they, are, they are touching the world because they have 280 uh, schools in 50 different countries. 
So um, it's amazing. And we're going to see a video here. Uh, they celebrate uh, International Rhema Day. And they just uh, encourage uh, participation, prayer, and uh, even uh, sowing towards it. So let's watch this video. Chaos, wars, epidemics, famines, deception. Good is called evil. Evil is called good. Fear is spreading like a virus, infecting every sphere of society. Yet, there is a light, a mighty moving force, fighting back against the darkness, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are the church, those who trample over sickness, disease, and over all the power of the enemy, those who proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, those who proclaim the gospel, that Jesus saves, heals, and is coming again. Rhema Bible Training College is training leaders to do just that. We have a mandate to bring the message of faith to a lost, dying, and hurting world. Because of partners like you, what started in 1974 in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, with only 58 students, has grown to 287 campuses in 54 nations around the world, with almost 114,000 graduates. RBTC is the training ground for the leaders of tomorrow to lead the church in this great end-time revival. They have caught the spirit of faith, and with it, they are impacting the world around them. On International Rhema Day, we come together to pray, support financially, and celebrate what God has done and is doing through Rhema. I would say the things that we learned at Rama were pivotal to the success of our ministry. The foundation that we learned, uh, how to live by faith, standing on the word of God, the authority of the believer. You're never the same. After you, you know the in him realities, you know how to live by faith. You know the Holy Spirit of God. You're never the same. It changes your life forever. I like to say when I came to Rama, I was believing. When I left Rama, I was knowing. You can believe it and not really act on it, but once you know it, you just step and say, I know God's going to do what he said he would do. We're very thankful for Rhema for being uh, the foundation that we had to build our family upon and build a church upon. We started Rhema Bible Training College, Guatemala City, in February 2016. We have graduated six graduating classes of different ministers and leaders, and we're very grateful. We're very honored. We know it's a great responsibility to oversee this Bible school here in Guatemala, but we're also honored that these ministers and leaders have received this message of faith to go into the world. We pass from one of the least church areas in America. It's a huge mission field. People are hungry. People are looking for an authentic gospel. Even through all the adversity the last couple of years, there's such a hunger stirring. Last trip that I went on not that long ago was to Kenya and just to see the same word, the same spirit of faith all over the world and in Africa. Rhema 
you know, equipped us, helping us navigate through growth seasons, building projects, challenges, and successes. We've now seen about the same 10,000 saved over the last 10 years of being in Florida, and we're now doing outreaches for churches. We really are excited about what's coming. You know, I believe what's coming is the greatest time in human history for mankind. You know, Paul would have loved to have been alive when we are. All of the Bible characters, we're in the best season right now. We're seeing the greatest harvest. If the Lord is calling you to a country, to a city, maybe not going, but sowing, but praying, do it. Never say no to the will of God. It's so worth it. It's not easy because as pastor says, ministry is work. We're so happy. We're so honored and privileged to be part of this Rema family, this Rema mandate. Because it's been prophesied that Rema is going to play a significant role in this last days. So we're honored to be doing our part. The nations are being reached with the message of faith. And with it, countless lives are being transformed. Me gradué en el año 2018 y soy de la segunda promoción de Rema. Definitivamente, REMA cambió mi vida. Cada curso, cada aprendizaje fueron instrumentos claves para desarrollar el ministerio que hoy llevamos a cabo junto con mi esposo. Empezamos con ocho familias y hoy en día somos 36 familias, pero no son familias cualquiera. Son familias donde el 90% practicaban la hechicería. Entonces, estas familias empezaron a ver que el poder del Espíritu Santo podía cambiar sus hogares. As the world grows darker and darker, the church should grow brighter and brighter. This is an hour to raise up and take a stand against the powers of darkness. We will always carry the banner of faith and the power of God to a generation that is lost and dying. We have a mandate. Go teach my people faith. And with you, together, we'll see that great end-time revival. Yeah, Gabriel had his fingerprints in that video. And uh, so God sent me to Rama so that he could prepare me for you. And uh, bring us to Palmyra and uh, so that we can help people find their treasure and inheritance in God's word and to find your purpose in God. And uh, I'm so grateful for Rama. And um, we are monthly supporters of them. We support them uh, every month. And... Uh, I'm also doing my part to touch Rama in the world. Um, I'll be going again this year to India, and uh, I'm going to be teaching uh, in two Rama schools in India. Um, and uh, so it's, it's awesome to get to pass on the training that I received to others. And uh, so that's coming up in September. Glory to God. So we're going to go down and uh, see Gabriel graduate uh, May 19th, and uh, Sean's going to be graduating, so Pastors Nelson and Nadine will be there too, and it's going to be a great time. And Zach and Kelly. Yeah, Kelly's like a perpetual graduate. (laughs) Yeah, she's been there for four years, and praise the Lord. God is good. Amen? Amen. 
I want to read something to you from uh, Genesis chapter 26. And uh, I want to read, um, starting with verse 3, Genesis 26, verse 3. This is the Lord speaking to Isaac when he was facing a famine. It doesn't matter what uh, the economy does, we have a God. And he can direct and navigate us through any challenging time. And so this is the instruction that he gave to Isaac, Genesis 26, verse 3. Live temporarily in this land. Now notice this next part. I will be with you in, uh, and bless you and favor you. Everybody say, bless and favor. For I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, and I will establish and carry out the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, to make your descendants multiply as the stars of heavens, and will give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And it is through that line, that family line, that Jesus Christ came to this earth to save the world. Now I want to read verse 12. And uh, Isaac had been there for a long time. And the Bible says, Then Isaac planted in that land and reaped in the same year a hundred times. Everybody say, planted, planted. reaped a hundred times. Now, do you think there were other farmers in Isaac's day that planted? But only one is recorded to have a hundredfold increase. What was different about Isaac? The blessing. He was blessed with the presence of God and the power of God. And when you're blessed and you sow into a blessed place, God multiplies the blessing. He takes the seed that you sow and he increases it. Okay? Verse 13. Now, wasn't Isaac rich to begin with? Because he was the only heir of Abraham, right? Verse 13, and the man became great. Who said, I'm becoming becoming great. And he gained more and more. Say, I'm gaining more and more. Until he became very wealthy. Say, I'm I'm becoming very wealthy. And uh, he owned flocks and herds and great household with a uh, number of servants. And the Philistines envied him. God made him so uh, enriched that the Philistines envied him. And the king of the Philistines, he ended up telling Isaac, who was one man, he said, you're too, you're too much for us to handle. He said, you need to go. You're more mightier than we are. That's what the blessing will do. The, see, the difference upon Isaac was the blessing. And... Uh, When you sow into VCF, you're sowing into a blessed place. Why? Because over the 21 years that uh, we've been here, lives have been changed. People have been saved. You know, we had this 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 year. We've had about 17 to 20 kids give their hearts to Jesus for the first time in Bible adventure. And and not only that, but 
they're excited to do it. They raise their hand quickly. They come up front like, whoo, I'm like, wow, that's, you know, God's awesome. So you, you, you know the you know the deal. Any, you can sow anytime here. The seed planters are there. If you're online, you can go to the website. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that the blessing makes us different. And the blessing gives us grace and favor, and it causes us to increase. And Lord, we receive the blessing, we sow in the blessing, and we reap from the blessing. And I call these people blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. We have uh, Kids Life. How many exciting kids that we have here today? Amen. Kids, we're going to release you. Kids, have a great class. Hallelujah. You know, we have uh, people to reach. You know who, who God uses to reach people? People. Did you know that the angels aren't commissioned to preach the gospel? People are. People just like you. Just like me. And God uses people to reach people in his kingdom. Amen? How many know God's in the people business? He came to seek and save that which was lost. And uh, last week we started a series called Evangelism 101. And uh, I've been giving you uh, tools and equipment to help you reach people. Amen? Because we're living in a day and hour where people need to be reached. Because it is, it is dark times, but the light in us is brighter. Amen? See, I got a bright light in me. Hallelujah. Well, here are some keys to becoming a witness. I'm just going to give you some tips of evangelism. Then we're going to go with what we want to talk about today. That's also part of evangelism, but it's the next tool that we need to know how to do. But uh, keys to becoming a, a successful witness. I'm going to say a successful witness. You know, every believer in Christ Jesus is called to witness. You have been given, your life has been changed by Christ, and you have a testimony. You had a test, but then you passed the test, so you got a testimony. If you never have a test, you just have a money. <laughs> right? But when you pass the test, you get a testimony. All right, so you got to catch the vision. You know what? you got to get God's vision of why Jesus came. Jesus came out of heaven, out of comfy perfect heaven think about it everything was glorious everything was wonderful everyone did god's will in heaven but then he came to earth that was infected with darkness because of sin so we got to catch the vision of god we have to pray that's what we're going to talk about today how to pray for the lost we need to believe god amen The gospel is not just for us. It is meant for us and to share with others. It's something to be passed on. It's something to be shared with individuals and with groups. And so we need to believe. And we need to be patient. Amen? You're not going to become super Christian tomorrow. 
I am super witnesser. Right? But the more you do it, the easier it will become. The initial thing, the hardest thing is just doing it to begin with. Taking that first step. Okay? And then you have to be bold because we don't have anything to be ashamed about. Amen? So, um, God, he sent his word, so he reached down to us with his word. And we reach up to God with our worship, right? We reach into the body through fellowship, but we reach out into the world with, by witnessing. All right, so those are tools that God has given us. And uh, did you know that the Bible calls Jesus the faithful witness? How many want to be like Jesus? Right? Yeah, he's called, he's called the faithful witness. Let me find that here. Oh, I don't have that here. I have it somewhere else, but uh, here we go. Yeah, in Revelation 1.5, Jesus is the faithful witness. He's the firstborn from, from the dead. And uh, he went around telling his story. Amen? So I'm going to continue to give you tips that are going to help you. And today is going to be another tool that's going to help us reach the lost. Everybody say, stand in the gap. I'm not talking about the clothing store. But standing in the gap is the Bible word that we call intercession. And intercession is when you are the go-between between two parties, between man and man or man and God. And what it means to intercede, it literally means to stand in the gap and to plead their case. Okay? If you can't move that well, you can pray. Amen? You know, they really named the chair the wrong chair. They called it a lazy boy. Now, lazy boys might be comfortable, but it puts a label on you. Amen? So, you need to change your lazy boy to another name. Doing great things, boy. So the Bible is full of different types of prayer, and intercession is one type of prayer that we can pray for other people or for groups of people. To intercede, it is the act of being a mediator. How many know we have one mediator between man and God? That's the man, Christ Jesus, right? He's the God-man, he's the man-man, he's 100% God, 100% man, but he's our perfect representative to God. He represented us on the cross. He took the sin, not just of me, not just of you, but of the entire world. Hallelujah. And uh, intercession is praying to God on behalf of another person. And every believer, everybody say every believer, is called to intercede. We are called to stand in the gap. You know someone that doesn't know the Lord. You may work with someone that doesn't know the Lord. 
The Lord may put people on your heart that you don't even know, and he is calling you to stand in the gap and to pray and to plead their case because they might not know know how to pray. So they need someone to pray for them. You know, God will work in this earth if someone asks him to. And prayer is an important tool that we have. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at some intercessions. Go go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to begin here. And, uh, you know, if you feel like you're called to be an intercessor, that's great. But you don't need a special calling to intercede. All you need to know is to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and to confess him as Lord. And anybody who knows Jesus can uh, intercede. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, everybody say first of all. You know, when the Bible says first, we ought to not put anything else second. Okay? First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for a select few. No? Be made for all men. Did it say that you need any particular qualifications? Did it say you needed a particular calling? You just need to know the Lord. And you can supplicate. Hallelujah. That means a specific heartfelt need. All right? Prayers, that's just conversations with God. And intercessions, they're interventions to approach the king. You can do an intervention in the spirit for people. And then thanksgivings are being thankful for God's grace. All right? So he says, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then he goes into a specific group of people for kings and all who are in authority. We need to pray for the leaders of this country. You don't have to agree with them. You can pray for them. Amen? And if we're complaining about them, we're not praying for them. God didn't say, complain for these leaders. He didn't say, share your frustration with these leaders. What did he say to do? Pray. Intercede, supplicate, uh, pray, and give thanks. You're not giving thanks for their lack of wisdom. You're giving thanks for God directing them. You're giving thanks because guess what? The power is in our hands, not theirs. We have the power to change things through our prayer, but we don't always take advantage of it. Amen? I know I've been guilty. There's been times when I've let my frustration be made known. And the Holy Spirit was probably saying, Doug, you're not praying, so just shut up. (laughs) Right? He might have said it through someone else. (laughs) Okay? What do we pray for for kings? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. We're praying for kings because why? Their decisions affect us. 
But our prayers can change things. If you don't like their decision, pray. Amen? Can God move things? I mean, my goodness, there was a king in Babylon. And he was so proud and so arrogant, he was walking around his kingdom and he was saying, look at the great things that I have done. Look at the great things that I have accomplished. And you know what? God changed his heart. He started to crave eating grass. Hair grew on him. His nails grew long. And he looked like a beast of the field. And for a period of time, he spent some time out in the field eating grass like a beast. Guess what? He had a different perspective of God when he got done with that time. Right? So, God, whatever you got to do. <laughs> Amen? Okay. See, in the atmosphere of a peaceable and quiet life, that's when the gospel can, pre- can be proclaimed. That's when the gospel can be lived. That's when God can move and do great and mighty things. He, he can also move in chaos, too, because he brings order out of chaos. Right? But we are praying for kings and for those in authority so that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable to whom? To God. In the sight of God, our Savior. Amen? He desires all men to be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? And Jesus is praying for you right now. The Bible says that he is sitting at God's right hand, ever living to make intercession for us. God is an intercessor. How many has ever crossed the street with a crossing guard? When I was young, going to uh, elementary school, one of the friends of our family, Mr. Sater, Chuck Sater, he was a retired man, but he was my crossing guard. I knew him and always had a good relationship with him. But what does a crossing guard do? A crossing guard goes in between traffic and a pedestrian, and they hold up that sign, stop. Right? What are they doing? They're interceding so that the pedestrian can get from point A to point B safely. Without the intervention of the crossing guard, without him coming to stand in the gap in between the the person and the traffic, someone could get hurt. But because they take the time to intercede. See, that dropped into my heart this morning on the way to the crossing guard. I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. So, this is all part of getting people saved. Why doesn't so-and-so ever get saved? Stop, drop, and pray. I heard a testimony of uh, George Mueller. And uh, there was this guy, George Mueller, he, he ran... Uh, 2,000 member orphanages in England and he would sit in his rocking chair and pray whenever he had a need. And he heard about this man who was, uh, you know, never responded to the gospel, was always mean, and so he put him on his prayer list. And for 50 years, I guess, he prayed for him 
And the man never got saved, but when George Mueller died, the man who he was praying for got saved at his funeral. Amen? Take time out of the equation and just stay in faith praying for people. Amen? We don't know how long the father prayed for his prodigal son, but we know that he was praying for him because when he saw him, he saw him from a far distance. He was expecting him to return. Amen? Okay. So what does it mean to be an intercessor? You Well, we know the word inter goes between. Interstate, highway, right? That's a, that's a road that goes in between states, right? Uh, an intercessor is a go-between, a broker, an intermediary, a mediator, and a middleman. Now, here's, here's a statement. You should write this down. In order to speak to men about God, you need to speak to God about men. I'm going to say that again. In order to speak to men about God, we ought to be speaking to God about men. That's praying. Right? Okay? And an intercessor is like an advocate. How many are glad that we have an advocate with the Most High God? Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's an advocate. You know, Jesus will always speak well of you. Why? Because he loves you. An, An intercessor stands between a human need and an almighty God, praying for the need represented. An intercessor pleads the case with a strong, heartfelt petition and it can be demonstrative sometimes when you're in intercession you might be loud you might be uh, animated it's demonstrative it's not like oh lord help him no you're getting into it because you're we're going to see some things about an intercessor all right go with me to john chapter 15 John chapter 15. Are you here or have you gone home this morning? This is a good broccoli, Brussels sprout spinach sermon. You may not like those vegetables, but they're good for you. I'm giving you some things that are good for your Christian life. Amen? That'll help us be more like Christ. That's our goal, right? Our goal is to be more like Christ. John fifteen thirteen says this. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Did Jesus lay down his life for us? Amen. So intercession is sacrificial love that lays down its life for others. God may wake you up in the middle of the night. And he puts a person on your mind. And the reason he's doing that is for you to pray for him. God, can't you do it early? No, it's urgent. Maybe they're in a different place in the world and the time zone is different. God needs you, he just needs you to pray, right? You don't even have to have the details. You just need to pray. But see, when, when the Lord wakes you up in the middle of the night, I'm not saying that he's going to do that. He might, but, he, you know, he might not. Maybe he'll wake you up early. <laughs> I don't know. But 
the fact is, sometimes we have to be inconvenienced with our time to do God's work. Are you willing to be inconvenienced? You know, because God's, God's eternal. He just uses time for our benefit. Hallelujah. But, you know, he can supersede time. I mean, Joshua stopped the sun for a while so he could finish a battle. Okay? All right? Uh, go to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 35. Say, I'm learning something today. How many has ever not heard the word intercession? You can be honest, it's okay. If you've never heard the word intercession. All right, you guys must go to BCF. You guys are sharp. Amen. Okay, First Samuel chapter 2. And now look at verse uh, 35. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house uh, will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver, a morsel of bread. And uh, please put me in one of these priestly positions that I may... Uh, eat my piece of bread. Now he's talking about Samuel versus the sons of Eli. And an intercessor is focused on others. It has nothing to do with yourself, but you're focused on someone else for that moment, for the time that you're interceding. Amen? Was, who was Jesus focused on when he came to this earth? He was focused on seeking and saving that which was lost. He was looking for people who were disconnected from God and he was going to bridge the gap. He was going to bring them close to God, right? And that's what he does. And guess what? His work is still going on. So that's what we do. Every one of us, according to the Corinthians, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? We can reconcile someone to, to God by introducing them to Jesus, by sharing Jesus, by sharing the word, by praying for them. Amen? Hallelujah. This is what we, we have to do. We have to be about the Father's business. All right? So an intercessor, intercession is a condition of the heart. What is your response to evil, wickedness, uncleanness, and torment? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And Jesus is the model of what an intercessor should be. And Moses probably has the most recordings of interceding for people in the Bible. Moses, man, every time there was a problem, Moses would stop, drop, and pray. We don't have any water. Pray. These enemies attack us. Pray. We're, we're, we're before the Red Sea. Pray. Amen? He's a good second example. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Verse 4, the qualities of love are, are the qualities that an intercessor should possess. Love suffers a little while. Everybody say long. <laughs> How long should I suffer? Love doesn't have a time limit. 
Amen? I didn't write this. The Bible did. Love suffers long and is kind. While you're suffering long, you're kind. Not agitated. Not on my last nerve. Say, suffering long, kind. Okay? Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not uh, puffed up. Thank God you're not puffed up. You're built up. You're filled up. Amen? You're lifted up, but you're not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. When we have thoughts of, oh, we're going to get them. (laughs) What are we doing? We're thinking evil. Okay? You know, when when you participate with evil, you diminish the anointing. All right, verse 6. It does not rejoice in iniquity. Oh, yes, they got what they deserved. No. They don't rejoice in iniquity. If it breaks God's heart, it ought to break our heart. If it makes God's weep, if it makes God weep, it ought to make us weep. Okay? But rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love what? Never fails. Say that again. Say love never fails. He's talking about the love of God, the agape kind of love, right? Our love will never fail. Okay? Intercession can hold off judgment. Intercession can hold off judgment. An intercessor takes the side of the people who oppose and provoke God. Oh, we're getting into some things now, right? Go to Ezekiel 33. Easy E. Easy E 33. Hallelujah. See, in order to have a, an effective work for God, the foundation has to be prayer. So if you want to become a witness for God, start praying for people. And you start praying for people, God's going to do something in your heart, and he's also going to open doors of opportunity for you to share. Amen? And we're going to take some time today before the service is over, we're going to pray. We're going to intercede. Okay? Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, When I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people. Now notice, he's talking about a watchman. He's placing them on a position in between an invading enemy and the secure location. Right? And the watchman is supposed to observe. He's supposed to watch and he's supposed to warn if he sees something coming. Amen? A watchman is an intercessor and an intercessor is a watchman. It doesn't mean that they're like watches. They just, they look. Right? 
Hallelujah. I could be a watchman because I love watches. No, just kidding. I do love watches, though. Okay. Uh, Verse 3, when he sees the sword coming on the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. Now, the watchman saw what was coming. He warned what was happening, but the person didn't respond to the warning. Okay? So now the blood is on that person's head. Okay? Now watch. Verse 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away, his iniquity, uh, taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require of the watchman's hand. If we cease a person heading in the wrong direction, and we want to be polite, and we don't want to warn them, and they end up going to danger, that's on our hands. Now, if we warn them and they don't respond, then that's their responsibility. You might see some people that are heading the wrong way. You should at least warn them. Amen? That's what, we, that's what an intercessor does. All right? Now, you can't talk about interceding without talking a little bit about how to pray effectively. Amen? Go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And look at verse 7. See, effective prayer is full of faith and power, and it uses the instruments of divine compassion and soul travail. You know when Hannah... Her prayer was so intense that her mouth was moving, but no sound was coming out of her mouth. That's intense prayer. And Eli, who could hardly see, thought she was drunk. And she said, no, my Lord, I'm not drunk. I'm in travail. She's travailing over, she was interceding for a future son. She got tired of being the, the target of criticism and the target of mocking from her uh, peer. And she said, I'm going to take it to the Lord. And she went to the Lord. And what happened? Did she get what she prayed for? Absolutely. Sometimes you, you, the, this prayer is going to come upon you intensely and strongly. And, and you're going to be in that moment. And that's when you're going to see results. Hallelujah. All right. John 15, 7. All right. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me, everybody say abide in the Lord. Lord. That's having a active, continual relationship with him. Right. Every day you're abiding in him. Right. You're not just visiting him part time. Okay. To abide means to dwell, to remain, to hang out. All right? If you abide in me. Did he say if? Because abiding requires you to make a decision. It's not going to happen automatically. Oh, I made the Lord Jesus my Savior. He's just going to abide with me. No. You've got to take time for Jesus. Right? Do you automatically get transported to work when it's time to work? Huh? 
Your alarm clock just wakes you up and it just takes you from the bed into the shower and you just float in on into work. Or is there some things that you have to do to get there? Right? That's called abiding. Right? Okay? If you abide in me and my words, plural. Everybody say my words. He's talking about the word of God. The words of Jesus. So we got to abide in two places. We got to abide in the Lord and we got to abide in the word. You can't be a successful Christian if you don't read the Bible. Well, I can't read. Then listen to it. There's alternatives, right? Stop relying on the excuse, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. Bah humbug on that, on those can'ts. All right? So we got to abide in the Lord and abide in his words. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Does that sound effective? But the qualifications are abiding in him and abiding in his words. When, when, when you meet those first two qualifications, you'll get the results. All you got to do is have a relationship with Jesus, right? And, and read his word. And you'll be a successful prayer. That's a key to prayer, right? Okay. Go to First John chapter five. First John chapter five. You know, if you're going to intercede, you might as well do it effectively. If you're not going to do it effectively, you, you could just as well say, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder where you are. Right? You know, effective prayer takes some effort. Being a Christian takes some effort, doesn't it? It took some effort for you to get up today, get dressed, and come here today. Right? And then on Wednesday, and then this week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, holy cow! You're asking a lot. Do you know how many extended services we've had in 21 years? Not that many. Only a few. So God must be doing something. So where God's doing something, I'm going to get in because I'm going to find me some treasure. I'm going to get there, and I'm going to dig, and I'm going to mine, and I'm going to get some treasure. All right. 1 John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in Who? We have to be confident in Jesus. I know in whom I believed. I know in whom I trust. I know him. I'm confident in him. He's able to do it. He can do it. Amen? This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to my feelings. No? If we ask anything according to the opinions of others. No? My goodness. If we ask anything according to his will, what's his will? His W-O-R-D. God's will is his word. God's word is his will. This is the last will and testament of God. He has an old one and a new one. Right? And we are the, we are the beneficiaries. We are the heirs that he wrote in his will. And church is the reading of his will to find out what you have, what you can do, what you can be. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, 
Find out what God's will is before you pray. Did you know Manoah, that's Samson's father. The angel of the Lord appeared to Samson's mother first. Then she went and told her husband that an angel appeared to me. So he said, okay, uh, he, he wanted to see the angel too. So he prayed, and God appeared to Samson's mom, and then she went and told Samson's dad, and then they came, and he saw the angel too. But he prayed to the angel. He interceded for his future son, and he said, show us what we need to do to train him on who you've called him to be. He was interceding for his future son, and he was getting information from God on how to train this boy for this calling. And guess what? God answered their prayer. Amen? Isn't it amazing? Say, God answers prayer. Oh, my goodness, that is so deep. Today I went to church, and I learned a deep truth. God answers prayer. That's so deep. As long as we do it according to his way. Verse 15. So, my confidence is in him. I'm praying according to the word. And if we know that he hears us, well, how do I know that he hears us? Because I prayed his word. God is listening to his word so that he can perform it. Who was Jesus when he walked this earth? He was the blank made flesh. He was the word made flesh. Everything he said was word. And everything he said came to pass. And only a few people recognized this. The centurion said, boy, everything that guy says comes to pass. You don't even have to come over my house. Just speak the word. How do I know that? How do you know when you pray that God hears you? Because you're praying the word. Notice. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, that we have uh, petitions that... uh, We know that we have the petitions that we asked of him. Everybody say, I know that I have the petitions. Why? Because you did these things. You abided in him. You abided in his words. And you have confidence in him. And you prayed according to his will. Amen? That's what intercessors do. I'm excited about intercession. Holy cow. Glory to God. All right? A true intercessor always associates with those he was praying for. Go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah, he was the smallest guy in the Bible. He was only Nehi. Or he came up with Nehi Soda. I don't know. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 5. An intercessor always associates with the transgressors. You're going to see this. Okay? Nehemiah 1.5 And I said, I pray, Lord, God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you keep your covenant mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night. Everybody say day and night. For the children of Israel, say for the children of Israel. He's not praying for himself, is he? He's praying for the children of Israel. Okay? Um, Your servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned 
Again, should everybody say we? Is he including himself as someone that needed to repent because of the fall of Jerusalem? Yes. Why did Jerusalem fall? Because people started worshiping idols. They disobeyed God. And God allowed Babylon to come in and destroy Jerusalem. Burn it. Okay? But he said, we sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. He is including himself with the transgressors. He is not saying, you know, the Pharisee prayed in the New Testament, thank God I'm not like that uh, tax collector. And Jesus was like, that prayer's not going anywhere. You can't pray yourself out of a paper bag with that prayer. The, the tax collector was beating his chest and said, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. But the Pharisee, what's he doing? He was comparing himself with another person. That's not what, we, that's not what Christians need to do. The only comparison that we need to make is us with the word, us with Jesus. Don't, the Bible calls comparing yourself with someone else sin. Why? You are unique. You don't need to be like anybody else. If you try to be like someone else, you're second best. Be who you are. Own who you are. Oh, yeah. I'm Doug Pishka, man. That's who I am. Own who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you you. No one else can be you. If someone else tries to be you, what are they called? An imposter. Don't be an imposter. But you see, Nehemiah, he had the right heart, the right mindset to intercede for his nation, for his city that was burned down. He started praying, and this took days. He was praying for his people. Why do you think he, he accomplished the work in 52 days? Pray. He prayed, 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 so that they worked, worked, worked. His prayers, prayers, prayers were answered, answered, answered. We could fill this church up in a day. Imagine if we just took time in our day and interceded for the lost. Now here at this church, we intercede for the lost every week. We also pray for the services every week. We also have other types of prayer that go on every week. There's a lot of prayer that goes on here. Why? I can't do it without prayer. Prayer is a foundation upon which every work of God is built. Okay? So an intercessor always associates with those he's praying. We'll go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 and verse 12. You know why Jesus was hung between two thieves? This is why. Isaiah 53, verse 12. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for transgressors. What? Who was Jesus praying for on the cross? Was he praying for himself to get off the cross? Was he trying to find... Who was he praying for? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. His last breath on this planet, he was interceding for people. 
Do you know the first martyr in the Bible, his name is Stephen. He got martyred in Acts 6, I'm in Acts 7. Do you know who held the clothes of the people who stoned Stephen? A, a guy by the name of Saul who became the Apostle Paul. He was holding the clothes so that they could throw these rocks at Stephen. Okay? He was, he was a, uh, what, what do they call murder by association? What, what's that term? Accomplice. Yeah, he was an accomplice in murdering Stephen. Here, I'll hold your clothes so you can throw the rocks. That's like the driver, in the get, he's driving a getaway car so the people can rob the bank. He's just as much an accomplice in robbing the bank as the people who robbed the bank, right? But here's what Stephen prayed. While the stones are pelting his body, he's seeing Jesus giving him a standing ovation in heaven. See, that's my boy, Stephen, you know. Jesus says, get down with your bad self, Stephen. Normally, Jesus sits on the throne, but when, G- when Stephen saw him, he was standing. That's something. Stephen prayed. He interceded. Father, lay not this charge to their account. The man holding the clothes, you think he heard that prayer? He certainly did. What happened to the Apostle Paul? He ended up getting saved. The one who influenced the stoning of Stephen ended up getting saved and preaching the gospel and writing, not only getting saved and preaching the gospel, he wrote half the New Testament. Can you say that's the power of intercession? That Stephen's intercession affected Paul's future. Because Paul was in no position to pray for himself because he didn't know the Lord. He didn't have the word in him at that time, but it affected his future. You want to change the future of your family lineage? Pray. Intercede. Stand in the gap. Mediate. Amen? It makes a difference. Oh, hallelujah. Moses, too, every time he prayed, he, he, he would say, Father, forgive us. Abraham, when, when God heard, you know, uh, God and two angels showed up to Abraham in Genesis 18, and he said, uh, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do, seeing that you're my friend? You know, God shares things with his friends about what's going to happen in the earth, all right? I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Because they were wicked, right? They practiced very lewd things, very wicked things, very vile things, right? Much like what's happening today in our today's world, right? So what did Abraham do with, those, with that news? Yeah, God, you get them. They, those people deserve it. Is that what he said? No, he dropped to his knees. He said, Lord, if I may entreat you. He said, if there's 50 righteous in that city, would you destroy it? No. Because Abraham said, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? What's he doing? He's including the righteous and the wicked together. Okay, Lord, let me ask again. If you destroy, if there's 45 righteous, will you destroy the city? No. What did he do? Get down to 10? 10 righteous? Can you imagine? I don't know what's worse. If there's not 10 righteous in a place or if Abraham quit at 10. But what was he doing? He was interceding for a wicked people. Because why? That's the only, who else is going to plead their case? Who else is going to speak on their behalf? He was interceding. And God was listening. 
As long as he kept going, God would have said, okay, I won't destroy it for this many righteous. But he stopped at 10, and there wasn't 10 righteous in the city. But his, inter- his intercession was important. Hallelujah. Go to Ezekiel 22. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. Is this helping anybody today? I got to watch my time because we're going to take some time to pray. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. So I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Whoa. Did you mean that if I pray, I could keep my land from being destroyed? Yes. That's exactly what I mean. Verse 31, Therefore I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath and have recompensed their deeds on their own heads. Says Lord, go to Second Chronicles chapter 7. We, we, we probably know this verse. But Second Chronicles chapter 7 Hallelujah. See, I'm an intercessor. (laughs) You got to get in the mix of things. You can't be a bystander and just watching what's happening in this world, complaining about it, whining about it, bellyaching about it. Do something about it. We've got the tools to do something about it. We are God's children. We have the ability. We have the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. All right. Second Chronicles 7.14. He says this. If my people, who are God's people? We are. Say, I am. I am God's people. Hallelujah. Who are called by my name. Has, has he called you? Yes, he has. Will humble themselves. God will never humble you. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to make a willful choice. All right, John, you know, they were trying to go John into getting uh, prideful. They said, uh, I'm just paraphrasing. They said, hey, John, Jesus is baptizing more people than you. What you going to do about it? You know, the little evil spirit on his shoulders, like, what you going to do about it? He said, oh, no, no man, everyone can receive what God's given them. He said, may he increase and I decrease. You want to shut pride up right there? That's how you do it right there. De- increase the Lord and decrease you. All right, let's finish this verse. All right. So if my people who are called by my name, how come, how come he didn't say of gangsters? Well, gangsters don't know him and they're not called by his name. Right? Drug dealers aren't called by his name. <laughs> Amen? Thieves aren't called by his name. They're not his people. <laughs> All right? Will humble themselves and what? Pray and what? Seek my face. So, God needs some of his people to get in the middle and to pray and seek his face. Notice what happens. All right? And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will what? Heal their land. Does your land need some healing? Does some people in your family need some healing? 
Maybe you just need to stand in the gap, pray, and get God's direction on what you need to do, what you need to say, how you need to approach the situation. Amen? Okay. Are you having fun yet? I'm having a blast. Hallelujah. Go to Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16. There's a story here. Numbers 16, verse 46. Hallelujah. So, um, well, let's start with verse 41. Numbers 16, verse 41. On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. Boy, they were popular. You got the whole congregation complaining against you. That's, that's two to three million complaints. That's a lot of complaints. Saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. Really? Wasn't he the one that brought them out of Egypt? Wasn't he the one that brought them through the Red Sea? But yet he, you've killed the people. What foolishness. Okay? And... Uh, You've killed the people of the Lord. Verse 42. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly a cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Whoo, God was not happy. He's like, I'm going to deal with this. Okay? Verse 44. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Everybody just got a revelation. I'm never going to complain again in my life. (laughs) Why? God consumes complainers. And who are they complaining about? Moses and Aaron, but God showed up on the scene. God takes every complaint that we say about any leader, any person against himself. (laughs) So verse 46, so Moses said to Aaron, take a censer. Put fire in front of the altar, put incense on it, and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement. That's another way of doing intercession. Atonement. For them. For the wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Okay? So now this plague is, is moving, right? And, and, the Lord, and Moses tells Aaron to take a censer and stand in between the plague and the people. Get in the gap. Look at your neighbor and say, get in the gap. Okay? Then Aaron uh, took it as Moses commanded. Someone say, praise the Lord. He did what Moses said. And ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put the incense and made the atonement for the people. He stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was what? What stopped the plague? Intercession stopped the plague. Why? Intercession stood in between the living and the dead. They're in between. Pleading their case. Making atonement. Mediating. And the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700. Whoa. Those were the complainers. Besides this, those who died in the Korah incident, 
Right? That's when the earth swallowed Korah up. The earth became Pac-Man. Jump, 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 jump. Right? So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting for the plague had stopped. Intercession stopped the plague. Can you say amen? So he stood in the gap. Hallelujah. So when we intercede, we put God in remembrance. God told you to remember me. Amen? So uh, go to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. I got to close this up here so we can pray. Proverbs 22. And verse 23. Proverbs 22, verse 23. For the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. When the devil tries to mess with one of God's kids, Jesus will stand in the gap. And he will protect you. He will be your advocate. And he will stop whatever they're doing. Amen? Go to Luke 22. Luke 22. And verse 32. This is called a preempt, I call this a preemptive intercessor, intercessory prayer. Yeah. Luke 22, verse 32. Well, let's look at verse 31 so you get the context of it. And the Lord said to Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Think about this. This is one of Jesus' disciples. This is one of his closest followers. And Jesus knows what's happening in the spirit. Satan wants to sift Peter like wheat. He wants to shake him up and let all the good stuff, you know, be separated and uh, not, not to be remembered. Okay? But notice, what's Jesus' response? Verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Now notice what he says. And when you have returned, everybody say, when you have returned. To me, strengthen your brethren. Did Peter face a sifting? Was Satan successful in his sifting? No. Yes, Peter denied the Lord, but because of the intercessory prayer that was prayed I pray for your faith, that your faith will not fail, and when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. Because of that prayer, Peter came back to the Lord after he went fishing. And that's when Jesus said, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? You know, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, all that stuff. That intercessory prayer prevented Peter's, even though Peter fell, he didn't stay down. He didn't stay defeated. Amen? He got back up. And that was direct result of intercessory prayer. 
And this is so important if we want to... Uh, and I'll give you one more example, then we'll pray. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I mean, Jesus is an intercessor. Holy Spirit is an intercessor. Moses was an intercessor. Noah was an intercessor. Abraham interceded. Ruth interceded. When she pleaded with them, he said, urge me not to go. Right? That was, that was a plea. She says, I'm standing in the gap. Because Naomi was like, go back to your home. And Ruth says, don't urge me to go. I'm, your God is my God. Where you go, I go. Your dwelling place is my dwelling place. That was intercession. You know, intercession led her to marry Boaz. If she hadn't interceded at that moment, she would have missed her Boaz. She'd have been his broke ass. <laughs> I'm sorry, they just... Well, I mean, Boaz was rich. He was a rich landowner. And Ruth, you know, she had a, something with her bite. She was a Moabitess. Um, okay. Let's get to Romans 8, verse 26. Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. How many has ever had the urge to pray, but you don't know why you're praying? Okay? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. We don't know what to pray. We don't know what prayer to pray. We don't know how to pray for this situation. Right? You just know to pray. Okay? He helps our weakness when we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Okay? But the Spirit himself makes what? intercession for who? For us with groanings which cannot be uttered. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now he who, who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When you pray for according to the will, God hears you, right? When you pray according to the will, you're praying according to the word, right? See, the Holy Spirit is in in complete agreement. Okay? Verse 28, And we know that all things work together for what? For good. Part of working things working together for good is teaming up with the Holy Spirit and letting him pray through you when you don't know what to pray or how to pray. Hook up with the Holy Ghost. This is why it's so vital to get filled with the Holy Spirit and and speak in tongues. It's so important. Why? it opens a door to another spiritual level, another spiritual dimension. People need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary got filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, James, and John got filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Why? Because we need his partnership. We need his insight. He is the best prayer partner you will ever have. Why? He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He's right there. You can access him anytime. And things will work out for your good, but you have to partner with the Holy Spirit. Oh, things are just going to work out for their good. Are you partnering with the Holy Spirit? No, I can do it on my own. They're not going to work out so good. You need to partner with Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized. Yes, you get the Holy Spirit when you're born again, yes. But you get baptized in fire after you're born again. 
John said, I baptize you with water. That's forgiveness. That's a relationship with Jesus. But then he who comes after me is more mightier than I. I'm not even able to loose his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And man, we need the fire of God. Because if you want things to work out good, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. For what he foreknew, he also predestined and conformed to the image of his son. Whom he foreknew, you know God knew you? God knew you were going to be here today? He knew, he knew what was going to go on ahead of time. He knew you were going to hear this message, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Hallelujah. See, I'm an intercessor. I stand in the gap. I fight for souls. You know what? We got to fight for people. Jesus fought for people. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He was criticized. He was pressured. He was intimidated. He was betrayed. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He kept fighting for souls. He kept fighting for souls. And souls are still coming into the kingdom because of the fight that he won. Amen? I don't care if my fight takes me to a cross. I'm not going to quit fighting. I'm going to keep standing in the gap. I'm going to keep praying to God. I'm going to keep pleading the case. Amen? Stand to your feet if you can. If you can't stand, you can sit. That's quite all right. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we at VCF in Palmyra, Pennsylvania, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we stand in the gap on behalf of the United States of America. And Lord, we pray for this nation, Father. We, we, we have come here to uh, humble ourselves, to seek your face, and to turn from our wicked ways. Lord, if there's ways that we have, if things we've done that doesn't please you, we repent for them right now in the name of Jesus. Is there, if there's things that we've disobeyed you, we repent in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we come to seek your face because this nation needs some healing. This nation needs a move of God. This nation, there's some things in this nation, in our nation, the nation in which we live, the nation in which we love, it needs to be fixed, Lord. And we know that you're the only one that can fix it in the name of Jesus. You are the great God. You are the creator of heaven and earth. Nothing is too hard for you. And we pray over our government. We pray over our nation, Father. We pray that the light of God would flow and flood the places of authority, that, that they would expose the things that are done in darkness in the name of Jesus. Lord, that justice and righteousness would be ministered because that's the very foundation of your throne. We pray over the nation. We pray over this state of Pennsylvania. We pray over this town of Palmyra in the name of Jesus. All the leaders of of the the city and the state and this nation in the name of Jesus. We are standing in the gap and we are fighting for them, Father. We are fighting for righteousness. Righteousness needs to reign in this land in the name of Jesus. Wisdom needs to be made in spending money and in making decisions that affect this nation in the name of Jesus. Lord, our politicians need to get a grip on their spending in Jesus' name. And they not need to spend this country in oblivion. And Lord, we command that to stop in the name 
name of Jesus. We command every principality, every power, every ruler of the darkness of this world, every spiritual wickedness in high places to stop and desist in your maneuvers against this nation in the name of Jesus. Trying to change genders, trying to change our values, trying to change the things that we believe in, trying to change the Constitution. Lord, we're not going to let it happen because we have a voice in heaven. Lord, our our prayers ascend to your throne like incense in the name of Jesus. We are a people who are passionate for the things of God. We are passionate for things being made right in this country in the name of Jesus. And we ask you to move. Lord, we pray for kings and all those in authority, for our president, for every person in Congress, every governor, every mayor, Lord, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life with all godliness in the name of Jesus. Lord, we, we, we pray that you create an atmosphere on this earth where the gospel can be preached publicly. We can pray in schools. We can pray. doesn't matter where we are. We can pray. We can use the name of Jesus. We can stand on the word of God and publicly declare the goodness of God in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks and praise that no weapon formed against us will prosper in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that your word is our weapons. We lift up the shield of faith against the fiery darts of the wicked one. We come against his lies and his deceptions and his trickery and his subtleness. And we declare who we are in Christ Jesus. We declare that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We declare that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We declare that the victory over this world is our faith. We already have the victory over this world in the name of Jesus. And Father, we stand in the gap for every lost friend, every lost relative, every lost associate, that we know who doesn't know the Lord and who have never accepted him as their savior in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over those lost people. We ask you, Lord, to open their eyes of understanding so that they can see the truth. They, they can come to the knowledge of the truth, Father, over every family member of, of, this, of this body of believers in the name of Jesus, over every associate, Lord, we pray that you lead them on the path of righteousness for your namesake. We pray, Father, that the goodness of God goes before them and leads them to repent in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks and praise, Father, that your word works. And we stand on your word and we will not be moved. We will not be silenced. We will not quit. We will believe God. And we will stand, and having done all to stand, we will stand fully equipped, fully armed with the power, the presence, and the anointing of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you're here today and you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, come and get it right now in the name of Jesus. It's a free gift to every believer. The only thing you have to do is be born again and you qualify. Hallelujah. You know, God, God's even into second dips. Amen? Why? Because the very same people that got filled on the day of Pentecost also got filled on, in Acts 4. God shook the house and they were filled again. 
Amen? But if, if you need to, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, come, receive. He's here right now. He's working. If you need to be healed in your body, come and be healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you need to, if you need to just uh, straighten out anything in your life, come and get straightened out. Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you what, what you're straightening out. Amen. God knows you. Just come get it straight. Make it right. Make it right with God. Amen. Hallelujah. So everybody's here filled with the Holy Spirit. So we should speak in tongues. If you're filled with the Spirit, just take a moment to speak in tongues because that's how we hook up with the Holy Spirit. Father, we give you thanks and praise for preparing this atmosphere, for awakening the harvest with Dr. Ben Lim. And we just thank you, Father, that you will be pleased and honored and glorified, and people will be touched by your power. Lord, they'll be transformed and changed by your power in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this generation as we're going into the middle school, Father, and we're invading that area and we're taking over. We're kicking Satan out of that school in the name of Jesus. And people are, are being rescued and saved. Lord, we thank you for the Bible Adventure program that has completed for this year, Lord. But we finish strong and we give you the glory and the honor. We thank you for the new generation Air Force, Father, that our young teenagers and early 20s, Lord, they're, they're being turned on to Jesus. And there's exciting things happening, Father. And they're increasing and growing. Lord, we thank you for Woven and Barnabas Group, Lord. Thank you for the men and women that are being ministered to, Lord. Thank you for the book club for the ladies, Lord, give them insight, revelation, understanding, and wisdom in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for our kids' life. Lord, that our kids are getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and on fire for God in the name of Jesus. Lord, they are firebrands. And they're, they're winning their families. They're influencing their families and their friends for Jesus in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I, I rebuke every, uh, every word that says we can't be bold about what we believe. I command that spirit of doubt and unbelief to go about what we believe is true in the name of Jesus. And I give you thanks and praise, Father. We thank you for Wednesday night refreshing, Lord. Woo! Times of refreshing are going to be flowing from the throne room. Lord, we give you honor and praise and glory for what you're going to be doing in Palmyra, in this body, in the body of VCF, all around the world, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So you were trained to intercede, and then you had the practical application, right? the implementation. Guess what? It's not just for Sundays. It's good every day. It's not like milk. It won't expire. It won't become cottage cheese. I just want to say this one last thought that came to me while we were praying, and uh when Israel needed water, they came to Marah. They'd been with water for three days. They'd been without water for three days. And they came to Marah, and the water was bitter. So they couldn't drink it. So Moses prayed. He interceded for the people. And, and God gave them the answer. There's a tree. 
throw it in the water. It's a type and a shadow of the cross of Christ being thrown in to sin and making our lives sweet. But it was intercession that brought that answer to Moses. He wouldn't have known what to do. I mean, what's the recipe for making bitter water sweet? And not only that, but getting enough water for two to three million people, plus their cows and their sheep and goats. Right? But pray. God shows you the answer. You do what he says. You get the results. Amen? Okay. Praise God. Thank you for praying today. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for supporting this work. Amen? You believe God? We're, we're in a good time. And this is a good place. How many, how many would be comfortable bringing your friends here? Right? Your family members here. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. This is Evangelism 101. This is Pastor Doug signing off. Until next time. God bless you.